welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Um, I'm here, and I'm I, people. You don't know what just transpired. This is the first time in about a year that Glenn forgot to interrupt Matt as we started to record this podcast. I saw that he was looking on something on his phone and went for it. That was that was amazing. Joining us all the way from Ogers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hi there, folks. I don't know what's happening, but I feel strange. it's a world gone mad. I feel like I've let us all down. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I I feel like it was fine. I want to encourage it. I want to keep it going in the future. We're gonna to get to. Uh, we're gonna to get to dinner twenty minutes earlier than we normally do. I think it's all going great. <laughs> That's probably true. It's yes. all going lovely. All right. So uh, before we jump into the episode, real quick, I want to thank you, fine folks. We launched a new podcast recently, and uh, I want to thank folks for liking, reviewing, subscribing because we have landed in the new and noteworthy on the religion and spirituality category of itunes that reminds me yeah i have an emergency oh my god there is an emergency occasionally for people who are uh, new to the podcast occasionally we have an emergency that we declare yeah when it's something that's an emergency well you always declare an emergency occasionally there is an emergency is there actually an emergency here because i don't want us to abuse the system right that would be irresponsible this is a major emergency. You're not right. becoming the boy who gotcha. cried emergency? Okay. <laughs> Tell it. <laughs> Here's what happened is I'm uh, I'm checking out the iTunes. Okay. Sure. You know, and that's what reminded me of it is, is uh, Matt. Saying the just, word iTunes? Yeah. So I was checking that's out the- That's how memory uh, works. I was checking out the old iTunes, and, uh, and I'm looking at, and there's this podcast. It looked pretty cool. I downloaded it. And they're totally stealing our mojo. Okay. I mean this this podcast is a total ripoff of what it is that we're putting out there okay. with the bridge box. They had cool songs in there and cool whatever, all in exactly the same style that we would do. And then this dude comes on there preaching, and I mean this dude, it just it's like he's imitating the exact thing. <laughs> I was like. Dude, this is bogus. Let me uh, let me interrupt here and just ask a quick question. You, yeah. can, normally, we don't name things we don't like on the podcast. Because right. Yeah, I don't want to mention That's bad any form. Names. I'm, I'm going to ask. We can bleep it out later if we have to. Right. Follow just so up. we in the room know, I'm going to ask you what what's the name of this particular podcast? Uh, don't remember. Uh, it had like a logo with headphones. Sure. On it. Think hard. Access. Happy and, place. And uh, something about. Well, this is what made it a real rip-off is it had bridge in the name. Glenn was the one you're thinking of. Was it called the Bridge Podcast? Uh, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like orange letters, pair of headphones. Right. Yeah, it's Mission a total USA rip-off of our whole thing. I mean, like that's exactly the kind of thing that we would do. Right. It there. is the kind of thing we would do because we did it. Yeah. That was you preaching. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, uh, in that case, uh, well done. (laughs) Good. Wow. Glenn forgot to interrupt, and that's the quickest he's ever come off his insane theory (laughs) at the beginning of the show. So we do want to point you to the Bridge Podcast. If you want to find it, uh, you can search the Bridge in iTunes. It'll come up as 
we've pointed out. It's uh, got some ver- worship songs, a sermon. This one was uh, the one, the first episode is by Glenn. The second episode, which will be out by the time you hear this, is actually a reading of one of our Bridgebox devotionals by Glenn in a very fireside chat kind of style, which right. we think everybody really enjoyed. Right. I'd like to go ahead and declare just kind of a secondary emergency. Do Actually, it. what I want to do is I want to call to order. We're creeping in a, toward emergentception. Yeah, I mean, an emergency expo- exploratory committee. Right. We kind of look at it. Maybe it's an emergency. Maybe it's not. Right. Is this becoming in. a bicameral right. emergency? Yeah, yeah. Look, here's what I'm saying is, you know, I don't I don't really listen to anything that we make. No. That, well, why I, would you? I find it a little crass. Yeah, it's, I just try it's to. Enough, st- it's not enough Bible for me. No, it's just, you know, I just feel, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know. Just an attitude about it, right? <laughs> right. Off. Yeah, there's a there's a tone. You know, it there's goes a, a little tone. It, it goes a little too far. It's like, hey guys, it's a bit much. But you know, <laughs> dial it. Yeah, back dial it back. When Matthew contacted me and said, uh, "Hey, um, here's this thing that we talked about in advance and created together, and you should go check it out," I thought, "Well, I'd like to, you know, support him, you sure. know, in in you know his his ventures." And right. So you know, it's I, a very supportive environment here in Chicago. Sure. You know, even though it's one of those things where you're kind of sure you're gonna have to say, "Oh no, it was good." Right. It right. Was, right. Oh, it was great. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> volume was excellent. Totally being honest right now. Um, the lighting was really solid. So, yeah. but you know, I've I've grown accustomed on those moments where just you know, despite my best intentions, I am exposed to a certain amount of hearing. Say that podcast, right? I, you know, there's a lot of attempts at humor. Yeah, you know, and and so there's kind of that vibe too. Very, to very it. jocular. Very jocular, and but when I when I queued but up, but not raucous humor because we learned our lesson about that. Well, some people have described it as raucous, and that's caused some concern. Right. The administration yeah. at Wheaton College would definitely describe it as raucous. Yes. So when I pulled up the Bridge podcast, there was a solemnity to the tone, a, a, a seriousness, right. a, a sober quality that, uh, to be honest, I found quite off-putting. Yeah, you're talking was, about the the podcast itself, not yourself. Not myself. Well, I, I find myself off putting, but I'm specific- you weren't. Br- you're saying I'm saying you weren't bringing your solemnity to the podcast. Oh no, it was generating its own. It was. It was like when I started. It's like there's a guy talking. Right. And I was like, who does this guy think he is? Right. It was like being a little over serious. Very serious tone to yeah, it. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to have a good time here. Very somber. You know. You know. Got a fresca. Some right. cheese puffs. Well, not only that, but he he kind of, you know, there were there were it was fairly presumptuous. It was like we know you're having a hard. It's like we know you're having a hard time. How are you in my yeah, head? Right. Man? Right. Lee, Lee, break it down Why, for me, wh- man. Hey, where's what I'm saying is like. Everybody's talking about the NSA. Listen to our phone conversations. What I want to know is, how does the host of the Bridge Podcast know that I'm spiritually having such a rough time that I need an encouraging, uplifting, worshipful experience on a Monday right after I've had... You know, church, my week's not even getting started yet. Am I having a hard time? Yes, Jed, I'm having a hard time. But how does the host of the Bridge Podcast know that? How is he in my head? Okay, okay. You know what? I do want to go ahead. We've explored it. I think the committee's ready to render a verdict. E-burgency. There's an emergency. Emergency. Clearly. Matt's in our head. Matt (laughs) is in our head using advanced technology that he only could have acquired. Where'd he get it? From Osteen. Uh Charleston. He's That's back. Right. Wow. That's right. That would that would dark. How long have you been working for the evil empire, Matt? I mean, it's 20 I mean, never. 
Now, well, not outrageous accusation. People who may be new to the Say That podcast uh, may not realize that a while back we noticed that Joel Osteen had the number one podcast. So we're gunning for him. Right. Because sure. we want those sweet, sweet, sweet <laughs> podcast numbers. Right. Absolutely. We want to get up the, the ladder of success and topple his mighty empire. So we started a beef with him. We right. started, a, we got into a whole thing where we were provoke him. And then he would totally ignore it because, you know, he's got the whole thing and we don't got Very nothing. Very wealthy, busy man and hasn't really heard of us. Right. So, but then we started getting evidence right. of things were happening. That's right. one word for it. <laughs> and then we eventually put together the, the evidence and figured out he's sending, because he knows in the future we're going to rule all. Sure, this, totally. This be, we're calling shots in the future. Because just as a reminder, this podcast, we're recording it right now. We're rec- you're not, they're uh, not hearing we, it as we're we have recording. Time for this We've already, sidebar. when you're listening to this now, we've recorded it in the past. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that's what recording means. Everybody's clear on that. We've beamed it. It's beamed There's into no the beaming. future. Exactly right. <laughs> okay, so what's happening is, Pod, we got a future Osteen is sending back, probably, probably time traveling cyborgs. Yeah, to destroy this sure. podcast and take us down. Right. Next thing you know, Matt King's in our head. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Where did Where did he get the knowledge? Yeah. Where did he get the technology? Yeah. From the future. Well, here's, here's what I'm saying: is you know, I was struggling. I was having a difficult time remembering the stuff that I need to remember, walking this thing right. out. And all of a sudden, here comes this podcast giving me the encouraging songs that I needed to be singing along with, uh, a, a, a message, a sermon that was right down the alley of the thing. It was like it was like Matt was reading my spiritual state like a book. Okay. Man. Okay. <laughs> Lee, what I hear you saying is you got ministered to and you find that deeply suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Def, I mean the 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 level of of targeted ministry that happened to me was uh, was outlandishly outlandishly can't accurate. be a coincidence can't be sure. well look I think there's only one option here tell us maybe it's just us right maybe it's just Matt in our heads right the only way to know for sure is to have as many people as possible go listen to the Bridge podcast oh, and see right. is Matt in their head too that's just sure. the only way we yeah. can be safe about what's happening here exactly right we got to have the information here dude that's not shameless self promotion no I don't know why no, you're giving no, me that no, look no, no. I yeah. care. Yeah, if you anything, care. I care too yeah. much. That's you care too much, Jay. <laughs> I'm a giver. That's right. I if, give. You just <laughs> you just want to give people an amazing podcast, sure. That may or may not be implanting things into our brain so that Matt can read our thoughts. That's what I'm talking about. Sure. We don't have proof of not that, Jed. Do we know we're not living in a Philip K. Dick novel? No, we don't. We don't know that. Yeah, we we do know that. Because he's 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 a novelist in this universe, so he couldn't be a novelist if we were living within the novel. That's too self-aware. Uh, you know the kind of person that have insights like that. Somebody that's working for Osteen. That's what I'm sure. talking. Not about. somebody's just Boom. making things up off the spot. <laughs> Boom. Well, I think the uh, it's it's confession time. Occasionally we'll do that. Say that podcast. I started the whole bridge podcast thing. This is a way to mess with Lee. Ooh. Oh. Next oh. week. Next week's voiceover is going to start. I know breakfast was a little burnt this morning, Lee. <laughs> You're discouraged by that. I'm just going to take guesses, right. and one comes out every week, so I'm going to be right eventually. Right. Sorry it's raining this morning, Lee. Right. Here's some songs. <laughs> here's, but here's what... But maybe we should not do that and just release it as a as its current worship podcast form every week. Right. 
Well, now here's what I'm trying to... I'm still trying to get my mind around this now. Yeah. What happened is we put out a podcast. Yes. That's us. Right. Yes. It went on to iTunes, New and Notable, for reli- all of religion and spirituality. Yes. Because we're deeply religious. Sure. We want to be clear about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And spiritual because we're 20-year-old college people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very spiritual. So... What I'm thinking is we also need to declare in your face, <laughs> Christian podcasts. Yeah. Ooh, you know, in your face. You know who's not new or noteworthy, according to iTunes? Osteen. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. You got burned, son. This, is, this might be the critical <laughs> juncture in the Skynet Terminator-esque hellscape we're this looking forward to. This, it. this, this be, is what triggers it. This is what everything started. We just figured it out. Thank yeah, you. That's right. The nexus point in the universe. They, the fixed this point is, in time. This is where they started to get worried and put together the whole time-traveling cyborg situation that we're sure. dealing with right now. <laughs> so if right. you see a, a cyborg where you... If you see someone where you live whose teeth are just a little too white and whose hair is just a little too staying in place, right. being very positive, I'm not saying they're definitely a cyborg, just saying, keep an eye on them. Yeah, yeah keep an eye on them because that they could be after you, because they know you're listening to this podcast and they can't be having that. They know it's in your brain. It's in they. They're reading your brain right now, dude. They're up in there. You don't need. You can't get them out. Yeah, you can't get them out. <laughs> no, that that you know, but that's that's for you know later. Let's focus right now on in your face Christian, Christian podcasts. Podcast. Sure, you're trying right. to encourage people. Be spiritual and uplift people, but you know what? You didn't get it done in your face. That's We're right. better than you. Yeah. You know, I want to read a list of people that don't have new and noteworthy podcasts. Read it. You ready for this? St. Augustine. Right. Where's your podcast at, bro? Where are you? You ain't sure. even in it. You ain't even at? in it. You got I, nothing. I never even see that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Right. right. I'm going to put another it's too one Too busy out there. confessing things. You ready? Thomas Merton. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 worthy for him. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even, I, you go on YouTube, you never even see C.S. Lewis come out with anything new. No, dude. It's like, I mean, what happened, bro? Dude is totally resting on his laurels. Yeah, he, he, he's fallen off, dude. He's G.K. Chesterton? Yeah. I don't see anything from he, him. He ain't in it. Yeah, no. Complacent. Yeah. He ain't new. He ain't notable. So, oh. you know what? You just, that's it. We're, we're, we're all ruling this. We're now. it. We're what's happening. We're what's right now. Yes. And you know what's the best part about it is we are taking it very well. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, it reminds me of that great passage in the Bible where it says, pride cometh before awesomeness. Yes. Sure. I think that's close to it's what it says. Stinson standard version. Yes. What it okay. is is, you know, I'm comfortable being new and notable. Sure, sure. Of course. I don't mind it at all. Sure. <laughs> I'm taking it very well. Sure. I have a very good attitude about it. Sure. Sure. Humble. Humble. I'm totally humble right now. You don't even know. Yeah, totally. You're the best so, at being humble. I can, I can see it on you. I yeah. can see that humility. Yeah. So pretty much now, here's what we have to do with the Say That podcast. We got to start climbing them charts, dude. Yeah. We got to climb them charts. Yeah. So, you know. So the way we're going to do that, though, the uh, way we climb up the iTunes charts is new subscribers, new reviews. So if you like the podcast, tell somebody. Leave a review. If you like the podcast, leave a little rating and review. Do that for this one. Go ahead and do it for the bridge one because the more people see and listen to that bridge podcast, the more will come to this one. Leave a review. So that's all good. 
if you could pretty much just be a free marketing team for us, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. I know Leave you people have lives and families and school and work and stuff, but if you could back burner that <laughs> and focus on our podcast success, I think yeah. that would really help me out we a lot. We have needs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To, so to sum up, in your face, other people are trying to help people. Hey, and we let's have needs. keep it humble. All That's right, so rude, dude. That was a little bit. <laughs> right now, it's, it's he that just kind got... of talk is why I don't listen to anything from this group. Matt's got an attitude, dude. Know, that ain't dude. right. That ain't it's right. Totally my attitude that Look, permeates this podcast. Let me just say this right now: if you have a Christian podcast out there, and what Matt just said <laughs> upset you, we are sorry. We are sorry. We don't. They, that doesn't reflect the attitudes of the rest of this podcast. No. Look, man. Whatever you do, don't rewind up minute 30 seconds. <laughs> the, the Bible says it's one body with many parts. This is what I'm trying to we say. We all matter, and apparently one of us has to be the heel. Right. Yeah. Wow. wow. Anybody else surprised that Jed entered that bit with heel? <laughs> like we all saw uh, that was yeah, going. I, and, uh, I'm surprised. I'm pulled very up surprised. at the last second. Very you, good. You thought I was going to say something else. Yeah. And you're impressed at my restraint. Yeah. You're all welcome, Internet. All right. Well, on, somebody say emergency off so we can move on. Cause we've been doing this for a while. On that note, I declare in your face emergency off. Excellent. That Bridge podcast, you can find in iTunes. You can search either The Bridge, it'll pop up, or you can search Mission USA Productions. That's Mission colon USA Productions. That'll uh, take you there as well. The logo is a white background with a pair of headphones and orange writing. Very easy to find. We like it a lot. It uh, opens up with two worship songs, and there's some sermon content, and then a little uh, electronica benediction. It's all, at this point, repurposed stuff from our Bridgebox subscription service. So if you like it, you can f- sign up at Bridgebox. It's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. $8 a month. Lots of cool stuff. Songs, writings, sermons, videos, unicorns occasionally happen. It's been done. It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So all that said, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. And now, even though I wasn't interrupted at the beginning, 18 minutes in, we have a question. See, it, it just expands to fill the space. Sure. You know, so. <laughs> Lord. Okay. Uh, this came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in contact with us if you have a question. This person writes, What are your views on a Christian who swears, is into very, very secular music, or jokes to the po- point of vulgarity, and thinks Lord. it's okay? This is a question I was asked very recently and was unable to answer. Glenn, can you start us off? Yeah, Glenn, I can't wait. <laughs> if you can imagine knowing someone like that... <laughs> Feel free to let your imagination run wild. Uh, my yes, uh, the uh, people who know me on this podcast know that occasionally a salty word will escape my mouth. I've never heard it. No. Sometimes when I hit my thumb with a hammer, for example, <laughs> I will or say on a golf course, possibly. Well, I think. Uh, theologically speaking, on a golf course is uh, it's all fair game. Yeah, sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a secret about, um, uh, about this topic, about looking at it this way. Um, I think a lot of people feel when they look at spiritual stuff, when they look at, um, the sort of the divisions within the church, they think of sort of lay people and clergy people as being sort of two big divisions. When you get, uh, uh, to a point where you're part of the clergy as we are on this podcast, you recognize there are a number of people within that clerical profession 
that bless their hearts are, you know, whatever. And then there are people who are really on a level of mastery. If you deal with the people who have sort of that master, that sort of Yoda level, Dumbledore level, whatever that is, level of, uh, sure. and that's the right way to pronounce that. Um, totally. uh, th then you, when you, when you deal with those people, uh, every one of them that I've known, they're real mastery, uh, people in ministry. If you get them alone, will swear like a sailor. That's sure. a, this is, this is a fact. Yeah. A hundred percent of them yeah. that I've known. If you had their job, you would too. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. You betcha. So uh, this is the kind of thing that people who are not in the game and don't get what's going on worry about. Uh, so that's that's thing number one. Here's thing number two. If, if we're going to answer this seriously and look at it in, in a theological sense, you've got two big ways of looking at living a godly life, a Christian life, a spiritual life. One way of going about that is to try and sin the least and to say, uh, I'm going to set out to commit the least amount of sins. Now, I may not do that much going in the right direction, but I'll do a lot of vague things going at a vague right direction. I'll read my Bible. I'll go to church. Those things are right. So that's right enough. Meanwhile, i got to focus on my sin. My sin is my whole focus. That's my whole uh, obsession. That's what I talk about. That's what I pray about. That's what I focus on. That's the whole thing. The other group of people, the other way of going about this is to do the most right. In order to do more right stuff, of course, you end up dropping a lot of negative behavior because it you know, kind of have to, at some point, lose that in, in order to move forward. If I'm going to help people who are alcoholics, I may need to stop going out and drinking with my buddies, for example, just to have that credibility. So when you approach your spiritual life trying to live it the most right, it becomes a very different thing. Here's the thing. Those two may look and sound fairly equal as I've laid them out to you. But here's what you need to know. Jesus went to one of those two groups of people, one of those two strategies, and consistently rebuked them over and over and over again for not getting what was going on. And the, the ones right. he rebuked are the ones who were trying to sin less instead of those who were trying to do more righteous things and live more following Jesus. So uh, he said, look, you, if you're one of these people who's going around looking for a little speck of sawdust in someone else's eye while you're ignoring the log in your own, you're on the wrong page and you need to check yourself and reevaluate what you're doing there. This is as small a speck as you can get going in your life. A little curse word, a little bit of listening to naughty music. That's whatever. Can that stuff get to a point where it's a bad witness? Of course. Does it need to be kept to a dull roar? Of course. Is that something God may call upon and say, this is something you need to change? Absolutely. Do you need to let him do that? Yes. But as we've mentioned before on this podcast, you need to look at your sins and begin to order them and allow God to order them in terms of which of these is, needs work right here, right now, today, and which of these things can we delegate until later and put all of our focus on the more important items that Jesus wants us to focus on. If cussing and listening to you know music that's naughty or whatever is near the top of that list, there needs to be an extremely, extremely good reason for that. Uh, because otherwise, you're, you've taken a very small thing and you've allowed that to distract you from the much, much more important things that the Lord would have you focus on. Absolutely, Jed. 
Well, thanks a lot for the question. We appreciate you writing in. And um, you, you asked, what are your views on a Christian who swears and is into you know secular music and makes vulgar jokes and thinks it's okay? My view is that that's my brother or my sister. That that's my view um, because they are. Uh, the idea that somehow uh, somebody's behavior of any sort would change who they are as a person or should change my view of them as a person, that itself is an unchristian idea. Right. Um, and, and that's, in a lot of ways, that's what's driving this question. If I can read between the lines, I think what's going on here is you're saying that you're a dude who, uh, or a gal who, you know, cusses a bit and, you know, uh, listens to, to a bit of the rock and roll music and, you know, has been known to tell a dirty joke or two, and that somebody rolled up on you and said, how can you do those things and be a Christian? Right. You know, do, do you not know that blessing and cursing cannot flow from the same spring? It's in the Bible. Right. Don't you know that? <laughs> and and you felt like you didn't know what to say. Well, here's the thing is you don't know, you don't owe them an answer. Right. That's that's the thing. No matter where you go, no matter what you do in your life, there are always going to be be people who call themselves Christians and don't approve of you. Uh, and that's something that you should know now. It doesn't matter what changes you make. It doesn't matter what you do or what you give up. There will always be people who call themselves Christians and do not approve of you. Um, to be you know, true confessions, I work full-time in ministry. I have for a long time. I work with people at the bottom of life. Um, when, when you read Jesus in Matthew 25 talking about the way he will judge the world, those are the people we work with, or the people he said, right. you know, do this to the least of my brothers. That's who we're with every day. I have people in my own family who don't think I'm saved. Right. Let, let me repeat that. Yeah. I have been working in ministry for years and years and years, dealing with people in prison, people who are homeless, people who are illegal immigrants. I have people in my own family who, because I might say a four-letter word once in a while, are, and I'm not joking here, it's not an overstatement, yeah, yeah, no. they don't think I'm saved. Right. So I tell you that to say, no matter what, there's always going to be people who call themselves Christians who don't approve of you. Uh, right. and, and don't like right. your style, don't, don't like what you do or how you do it. Why do I say all that? Chasing that acceptance is a fool's errand because it doesn't go anywhere. And God has something better for you. To build on what Glenn was saying, if you'll get in the mode of rather than trying to do less sin, doing more righteousness, you'll find your tribe. And when you yeah. find your tribe, you'll find that acceptance that you're looking for. It's a very rare person that's actually devoting themselves to doing more righteous stuff, going right. and finding people who are hurting and serving them. When those people find each other, that's family. Right. Uh, when, when those people run across each other, there, there's, you instantly know, that's my dude. You don't have to worry about it. And there you have that acceptance. You can finish each other's sentences. You can support each other. You know how to pray for each other. And none of those people care whether or not you said a cuss word. Right. None yeah. of them. Right. Um, and none of them care what kind of music you're listening to because there's much, much, much more important stuff at stake. Right. Um, if you can dig it, I think you're probably already pointed mostly in that direction. If you, because if you're listening to this podcast and you're taking the time to write us a question, you're, you're a person who takes your faith seriously. And right. if you thought that what God really cared about was whether or not you listened to, you know, Lil Wayne, um, then you would be doing something about that. You haven't made that change because there's part of you that suspects that can't possibly be the thing that God really, really cares about. Right, right. And you're right. Right, The right. thing now that's before you is, as Glenn said, is to take that next step on the journey you're already on, figuring out right. what does he care about. I mentioned Matthew mm -hmm. 25. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home as soon as you get home, as soon as you have access to a Bible, pull out the Bible and read Matthew chapter 25. 
That's what Jesus cares about. That's what's important to him. The next time someone, and, and make the decision to devote your life to doing something about what's in Matthew 25. Next time someone rolls up on you about swearing or Lil Wayne or whatever else, say, how are you doing with the least of these? Are you doing right. anything for And that language in Matthew 25 is pretty dang strong. Yeah. So. Are, are you personally doing anything for the least of these? Because if you're not, step off. Right. Just walk away from me. And what you'll find is that the people that are stepping up on you universally are never, ever doing anything that's listed in Matthew 25. Right. That's a great point, Lee. Um, well, these guys, uh, I agree 100% with the stuff they're throwing out, and <clears throat> and they've basically covered it. I, the only thing I'm trying to think on this is I know uh, from working with high school folks, and particularly with middle school folks as well, uh, that it can be disorienting to be a really young believer when some of this stuff really starts coming out, you know, and <clears throat> and you're and you're meeting Christians who uh, who are you know you know, uh, who are growing, who are getting involved in ministry and stuff like that. And if you hear, as Glenn says, a salty word every now and then, it can just be disorienting because your whole life you've heard, you know, that this is, you've basically thought maybe from Sunday school or whatever, that this is the way that, this is the way messed up people talk and this is the way Christian people talk. And now you're kind of finding your legs as a person who is really walking the Lord. And it can be disorienting, especially if you're a younger person, who's trying to figure this stuff out. One thing that happens is, particularly for younger Christians, is they've got a list in their head of what the sins are. And it's drinking, sex, smoking, and cussing. So it's those are the sins. Especially all at the same time. (laughs) That's the worst. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. And so... So they've got this they, they've got this list in their head and that list is corroborated by basically every adult in the church that they've ever yeah. known. And so they think, you know, well as long as I dodge those things. Well what happens is when you're like when you're really young, I mean, you know, you don't have the uh, most people don't have the opportunity to, you know, to get involved in, in in a lot of those things, but you know, kind of behind the I mean, you know, you may not have the opportunity to smoke weed when you're in middle school or something like that. A lot of people do, but you may not have that opportunity. You may not be in a position, you know, to be in a sexual relationship or, or drinking with your buddies or anything like that. But the whole cussing thing, man, you can just light that up whenever anybody can do that whenever. And so for a lot of young Christians in particular, that becomes like the thing we know is wrong that we've been doing the longest. So it becomes this it becomes this real big in our minds it becomes a real big thing. And I think and this is uh, to me this is really really important. There's a big difference between something that, you know, maybe it's not great and at some point, you know, we're going to work on this, we're going to keep it to a dull roar like these guys are saying. There's a difference between saying like Christians should never do this thing and know how to be around certain yeah. people. Yep. Right. And so here's right. what I mean by that. Um, you know, if a person says a Christian should never say a cuss word, well, that's not, you know, otherwise they're not, you know, they don't care about their discipleship or their sanctification. Well, that's not, uh, that's not reasonable. And that's, you know, and, and as Glenn says, you meet anybody that's really getting it done, they're going to have to blow off some steam every now and then it's going to come out with some salty language. But uh, on the other hand, uh, somebody that is just brazenly, you know, really, really foul mouthed in front of, you know, Grandma. the old ladies at the church or yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. Or, or, you know, the kids ministry, you know, is, is, is running out to the playground and they're, and they're just, you know, they're bumping, you know, 
you know, Lil Wayne out of their car right there yeah, in front of yeah. the, you know, all the little kids at the church playing on the playground. There's a big difference between, you know, uh, something that, you know, maybe it's not a great idea or whatever, but it's, it's not, you know, I'm not in condemnation about it from the Lord's perspective or anything like that. And then, and then something that's just knowing how to be a person. Yeah. So I think that we need to separate those two things out. Are, are we in a situation where maybe somebody who's, who you know, who's in the youth group or in the you know in, in the college group or whatever, needs to be needs to be pulled aside by a leader or a pastor or somebody and say, hey, listen, man, just keep it down a little bit around these certain people around you know around these groups. Just dial it back a little bit. It's it's a, you're being offensive for no reason. There's a big difference in being offensive and, and being out of bounds. You know, as far as your your sanctification and stuff like that. So uh, let's figure out what we're talking about first and, and then move forward into what these guys were saying earlier. That's an excellent point just to wrap that up. And we, we've said it before. There's a, a difference between cursing or whatever and just being a jerk. Yeah. So being a jerk right. to someone is a sin. We're all pretty clear on that. That's not good. So if you're cursing around grandma, which we use as an example, my grandmother personally cusses like a sailor, not a joke, <laughs> but someone who doesn't want to hear it, you're inflicting yourself on them. That's the same with the music or the vulgar jokes. That's the problem. It's not really the words. And I think a lot of, along the lines of what all these guys are saying, a lot of this is people get raised with the idea of expressing their Christianity through certain behaviors or lack of certain behaviors. If you if you curse, how will people know when you're, you're a Christian? If you don't, if you listen to things that aren't from the Christian bookstore, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, I mean, oh. John thirteen thirty five, Jesus says, "By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples." The way you love each other. Oh. That's crazy talk. There doesn't seem to be any mention of language or really, really cheesy t-shirts you buy at the Christian bookstore. Yeah. Or any other way that people might try to express their Christianity. So as back to Glenn's point about the least of these, why don't you try loving someone and then see if that just doesn't work out a whole lot better than uh, defining your faith by things you don't do. All right, we move on to our next question here. This also came into our Tumblr inbox. It says... Recently, I've been disappointed in myself and perceived delays in my life. I'm 24 years old, and I'm almost done with my AA, and I feel that God has pushed me backwards a few steps. Everyone around me is finishing school and getting their degrees and starting their lives. I feel left behind, and when I do get up and go, I end up back where I started. I feel like giving up and like a failure. My dad said that I better do something before it's too late. I'm losing my faith and confidence. Can you help? Jay, can you kick us off? I sure can. And it, we have a lot of folks uh, that listen to this podcast that aren't from the U.S. So just so we're clear what we're talking about. And, and AA stands for an Associate of Arts degree. And so that's a, a two-year collegiate degree that um, you get here in the in the United States. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. However, <laughs> when I answered this on the blog, I thought that was Alcoholics Anonymous. So I may have answered in a different, uh, different vein there. Okay. Both, Both are right, options. but yeah, no, just saying. Both fine options. Well, actually, here's the funny thing: is the answer is kind of the same whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or your Associate of Arts degree. So, uh, but that's that's what we're talking about. But now, let's depending get into on your it. school, it could be very similar. It totally <laughs> Chico <laughs> State, point. man. It's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here's the thing. First of all, thank you very, very much for your question. Thanks for for writing in. And dude, I'm really sorry that life is tough right now. Um, it. It sucks, and if it helps at all to know, I can really, really, really relate. Um, uh, I have failed at an epic number of things in my life. Um, I have, uh, uh, and not a little failure either. I mean, like, you know, face plant in front of everyone failure. Literally. 
yeah, <laughs> kind of. Um, so I, you know, if it helps at all, I, I, I understand. Uh, I really do. There's a saying um, that can be cliche, uh, but um, I want to share it with you. And that saying is that God is interested in turning your setbacks into a comeback. Um, if, if you haven't heard that before, let me repeat that. God is interested in turning your setbacks into a comeback. When we read the Bible, when we see the way that God has worked in people's lives, what we see again and again is a story of things not working out and not working out and not working out, and then God using all of that in a shocking way um, to bring about something amazingly good and positive. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Moses, uh, and I'm guessing you've heard of him. Uh, if, if you haven't, uh, you can do a quick Google search on Moses, but he's an important guy in the Bible. He, he led the Israelites, who were God's people in the Old Testament, he led them out of enslavement in, a, in the country of Egypt many thousands of years ago. And he was born, actually, he grew up as a prince in Egypt. So he would have been one of the richest, most privileged kids in the world, because at the time, Egypt was the most powerful country on earth. And... Um, when he was a young guy, he killed somebody. Um, he, he got, you know, he, he lost his temper, he lost school, and he killed somebody. And he was afraid that, you know, he'd go to jail. So he fled the country, and he ended up spending the next 40 years herding goats on a mountain, uh, is what he did with himself. And I don't think you could ask for a bigger setback than that. Uh, you, you were in a prime position to do something good with your life. You had money, you had influence, you had, you know, connections. Now... Uh, you're an illegal immigrant and a felon, and you're herding goats. Um, right. uh, most of us on this podcast grew up around livestock, and I can assure you, herding goats is about the worst thing a human being can do. Yeah, that's that's Yikes. way down there. It's nasty. But um, that's what he did for 40 years. And then God showed up and said, now I have a plan for your life. And if you've heard it before, that's the story of the burning bush. Now, why do I tell you that? If Moses hadn't spent 40 years herding goats on a mountain— he wouldn't have had any idea how to deal with a group of complaining, angry, upset people walking through a desert for 40 years. One right. was preparation for the other. Now, if you had come to Moses in his time herding goats and said, oh, don't worry, brother. God has an anointed plan for your life. And he's just, mm, I just see it now. Mm. I just have a word of knowledge. Yeah. He's just, mm. he's got great things for you. Mm. And he's just... Mm, he's just going to use you in a mighty way. Just, I just want to pray for a fresh anointing on you today, brother. Mm. Most, he would have thrown a goat at you. He would have thrown a goat at you. And he would have been right to do it. <laughs> but this is the thing, is in that moment of setback, God was with him the whole time. God never gave up on him. God never left him. God was in the process of turning that setback into a comeback. Here's what that has to do with you. You look at your life and you say, I've, life's already passing me by. Um, everybody else, they're, they're moving on. They're, maybe they're starting families. They're certainly starting jobs. They've got degrees. They're doing things. I'm, I'm doing so bad that my own dad is coming to me and saying, what's your deal? You're about to, to run yourself into a ditch. I don't know much, but I know God is at work in your life. I know that he is. Yeah. I know that he has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten about you. I know it doesn't look like it. And I'm not asking you to feel that it's true. I'm just telling you from experience. God's with you right now and he's at work in your life. And here's how you discover that that's true. I want you to start asking God, what are you saying yes to today? There's a lot of things that I want that you're saying no to right now. And I, for the record, I hate that. 
and I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's cool, and I don't like it. I also can't change it because you're God and I'm not. So I got a lot of things you're saying no to. But God, what are you saying yes to in my life today? Because I know that you have something for me today. I promise you, if you'll start going to the Lord and saying, show me what you're saying yes to today. Show me what you've got for me today. Maybe that's something just in my walk with the Lord. Maybe that's something in my relationships. Maybe that's something in a volunteer capacity. But if you'll start asking the Lord, what do you have for me today? He'll show you. He's, he's not shy. They, they say it's, it's another borderline cliche thing that God never closes one door without opening another. God hasn't opened doors before you today. I, I promise you that he does. What's at issue is having the courage to find it. And if you haven't given up at this point, you've got that courage. You have what it takes. We believe in you. If you'd like to write us and tell us a little bit more about your situation, we'd love to walk that mile with you and try and help you find what that open door is. But I promise you, he's got one for you. Totally. Lee? I think um, I love all the stuff that, that, Jed, uh, that Jed shared. I'm, I'm with him 100% on that. I think one of the things that's difficult for a lot of young people that are finishing up college and, and, and even folks going into college is that they have the mindset, and a lot of them get it from their parents and from kind of the societal construct, but they have the mindset that the only way to be successful in life is to get a college degree and then get a job off of that degree that pays well and will provide for me for the rest of my life. Um, I got a college degree, but I am not doing the thing for which I got my degree. And I know a lot of people who are not doing the thing for which they got their degree. I know a lot of people who got degrees who are not working. Um, their college is great, and if you uh, if if somebody goes there and they love it and they have a great experience, that is a wonderful thing. However, it doesn't mean like it doesn't mean this is the only way life has to go. I also know that with with a lot of folks a lot of the pressure that they feel from their parents is that they feel like, even though, like you say, you're 24 years old. I know a lot of folks that that are that same age and they're, they're still petrified of their parents. I mean, they still just feel completely uh, under the kind of mind control of their parents. And one of the reasons is because their parents are still paying a lot of bills. Right. And so one of the things that I would encourage you to do today is, and this is just, a, you know, the, the spiritual stuff that Jed laid down in that last answer is completely and utterly true, totally awesome. Go back and listen to it again for the encouragement that you need to face that next day. What this is going to be is a totally, totally practical thing, and that is lay out uh, uh, with, a, with a piece of paper, a spreadsheet or something like that, Put together a budget for yourself. How much money would it take for you to move out of your yeah. parents' house? How Amen. much money would it take for you to be financially independent? And then start taking first steps to go towards a life where you are not dependent on your parents' income in any way. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is that when I was when I was 19 years old, I was a sophomore in college, and um, and I started moving towards financial independence, independence as soon as possible. My wife and I got married when we were relatively young. We were still in college. And, as, and right before we got married, we were both financially independent completely. And we have, not, uh, we have not been dependent on our parents in any way since that time. And the beautiful thing about that is that um, our parents don't get to tell us what to do yep. about anything. And our parents are very clear in the fact that they, 
they get to have a friendship with us if they if they want that and they get to uh, they get to share our lives as 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 family and friends but they don't get to weigh in on our decisions the the people that weigh in on the decisions my wife and I make are the lord and us the two of us so uh, I, I say all that to say this that um, if you don't do anything with your AA degree, that's okay. If you find something totally different to do that fires you up, especially if you find something to do where you're reaching somebody for the Lord, and it's and it's maybe you get a job, and then maybe a few hours a week you've got some outreach that you're a part of that really that just really really fires you up. That is awesome. What I'm saying to you is that let's start taking first steps right now to figure out how do we get out from under the financial dependence on Dad, so that his opinion of the direction of your life is no longer important. Important. In other words, I'm sorry you feel that way about me. I'm not going to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, because that that one little piece can change the whole game, give you the, the freedom to say, I'm going to do this the way that I the way that I want to, and um, and you don't get to weigh in on that. I love you, Dad, but um, you're either you're either an encouragement to me, or I'm going to have to not listen to what you have to say about it. And that is a beautiful freedom, and it allows you to enter into a whole new phase. And that's what we want for you. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah, you know, when I think about this subject, I've noticed it seems like you know maybe in the last uh, ten years or so. The Christians have a way culturally of worshiping achievement. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, I think for a lot of them, if God told them, choose this path, and you can go down this path, and I want you to, uh, like Moses, like just like uh, Jeb was talking about earlier, I want you to do this and not achieve anything for 40 years. Just herd goats. Yeah. I think for a lot of them, that would be just kill me now, Lord. I can't. I can't do it, you know. In other words, I think they feel there's a worth that they have because of achievement, that there's a value to them as persons because of their achievements, that maybe even this is what sanctified and holy people do is they achieve things. Well, you know, Glenn, the holy and sacred word of God does say that whatever your hand finds to do, thou must do it with all thine might. Right. And that means that you should always achieve as much as possible everywhere, no matter right. what. Right, yeah. <laughs> Is that what that yeah. means? I know a lot of really, really unholy people that achieve all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so that's never made them more sanctified. Uh, frankly, I've achieved a lot in, in my life here. Uh, it's not uh, uh, financial, so I think most people wouldn't count that as much. But uh, you know, I've achieved a lot, but it didn't make me a better person. Uh, this idea that I can't wait to get out and achieve because that changes things is a false uh, story there. You are not, your life will not be radically changed by making achievements and having accomplishments. Uh, and I agree with what Lee is saying here. Parents can sometimes get, sometimes they can get in this feedback loop where they just get obsessed and obsessed mm -hmm. and worried. And more, the more they hear themselves talk about it, the more they get worried from what they're saying about it. And it just gets going and going and going and going. And you got to, you got to study. You got to get great. You know, oh my gosh, the unemployment, you know, the financial crisis, you know what you have to do. You know, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, sometimes we had to sit our parents down and say, I love you. I hear you. I agree with you. We <laughs> you are not arguing. And if we were, you have won. 
I, <laughs> you, you, we're all on the same page. I'm giving it maximum effort now. What this is, is driving me nuts, freaking me out, making things worse. Yeah. And if I fail, it'll be because somebody was up my butt every time I needed to get something done around here. Why, how about encouragement, love, uh, you know, cook some breakfast, whatever, help me out is, uh, you know, encouragement, take me out to do something fun, get my head cleared, whatever it is. There's a thousand helpful things you can do here, but keeping the pressure up is not helping at some point. So, and I think some parents can hear that. Some parents need to hear that. And that's a good thing for them to, 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 Sometimes we have to give our parents feedback. I hear you. Cause at some point you go, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I got it, whatever. And at some point they sense that we're tuning them out. And in some point you may have to tune them out, but it's important before you get to that tuning out point that you let them know verbally. I, I hear you. I agree with you. I'm not on, on a different page. I need us to shift the story off of that. Cause we have beat that to death. And we've all arrived in that place and we're all in a place of agreement. We need to figure out what else and what next. Uh, so I think that's important. The last thing I'll say is that every phase of life has its ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, being in college is not the worst time of your life in terms of, you know, there's, you, you got less cool stuff and fun stuff going on maybe in terms of you don't have the money and the, the independence and the freedom and stuff, but you also don't have that many responsibilities. You just got one thing you have to accomplish. And you, if you want to, you can say, you know what? It's a blow off day. I'm going to go and have some fun today. A lot of people who have a steady jobs can't do that. So it, it's, it's, uh, every phase of life has its benefits and its drawbacks. And it's important for whatever phase of life we are to find a contentment and a joy and find God's presence with that, within that, rather than saying, I have to hurry up and achieve so that that, so I can uh, breathe. And so I can feel that I have worth. And there's a whole nother set of problems and headaches on the other side of where you're at now. So don't, don't feel as though you're going from headache to everything's Nirvana. Absolutely. Jed, one more thing. Yeah. Just to build on what's already been said. One of the things that we want to be clear on is people, and particularly as people age, they have a way of giving advice from the way that it worked when they were your age. Yeah. and That's the problem right. with that is that the global economy has changed significantly. Uh, here in the U.S., um, uh, the job prospects for people graduating from college today are significantly worse than they were for your parents. It's also um, historically the first time in American history that the job prospects are worse for children than the parents of those children. And, yeah. and, and school costs a lot more. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I don't know how old your folks are. I can make some guesses based on the fact that you say you're 24. But the odds are if they were kind of in their career in the 90s, for example, that was a period of unprecedented economic success, at least here in the United States. I mean, yep. they were practically giving money away at that point. Uh, that is not the way that things work anymore. And unfortunately, people... If your parents kind of came up career-wise in that time, what they would want to be honest about is, we got lucky. We were working during a time when it was really good and it was easy to go out and get a job and make money. And it wasn't about our hard work or determination. It was about luck. But I've never once in life met a successful person that was willing to be honest about that. Yeah. Um, they, they succeeded because they were awesome. And if you're not succeeding, Super it's because you're choosing to be not awesome. Uh, the truth is there are economic realities at work. It's hard to get a job. It's hard to get a good-paying job. And we feel that we're with you. Absolutely. One thing I would, I would add to that real quick is 
there's an assumption in your question, and I know because uh, I was in the same place. If I can run this down real quick. When I was 24, I had a college degree that, as Jed points out, post-economic crash was essentially useless. A four-year liberal arts degree, so that wasn't doing anything. Worked at a grocery store, lived at home. Not great times. Now, all the people at that time who I was jealous of, I now, for almost four years down the line, have a cooler life than they could possibly dream of having. Yeah. So the uh, the inherent assumption here is those people are just happy all the time. And as Glenn right. was pointing out, that's, that's right. not true. Now, it's easy. I'm not faulting you for that. It's easy to fall into that mindset because the one thing that's yeah. driving you nuts on a daily basis is something they have and possibly came by pretty easily. That's a bummer, but as Glenn was pointing out, everybody's got their stuff. There's no giving up isn't truly an option, really, yeah. at any point in life. Here's the thing: if tomorrow you dropped out of school, decided you uh, didn't want to deal with your folks, and gave it all up, you'd still have to get up tomorrow and go somewhere. Yeah. So you always have a couple of choices in front of you. Finishing your degree is a good step forward. It's something we talk about a lot around here. It's easy to get discouraged when you zoom the lens out too far and look at where you are, where everyone else is. As we, they've all talked about, you want to pull that in and just focus on, am I making steps today that I wasn't making yesterday? I'm a little closer to a degree, a little closer to financial independence, figuring it all out, and that that'll, will eventually get you where you're going, I promise. All right, we're going to move to our last question here. It says, I used to have the guys just don't like me mentality, but after taking your guys' dating advice, I see that that's not true. I'm no Megan Fox, but I don't have to be because after allowing myself to smile and rock a cute dress, I see that a lot of guys dig me. And I'm learning what I like and don't like in a guy. But I'm having a hard time owning my beauty and that God wants God made me desirable. I'm uncomfortable with it. Say that, fellas. How does a woman of God own the beauty that God gave her? Lee, can you kick us off? Well, here's the thing. First of all, wow, thanks for the question. This is awesome. And I know I speak for the rest of the guys on the podcast when I say just congratulations. I mean, we celebrate the victory that you've already, you know, the, how far you've already come on this. We're, we're, we're proud of you. Uh, we love you. This is awesome. Here's the thing. And, uh, and, and people that are not used to a lot of victory don't really know this, but when you start to get a little freedom in the way that you think and the way that you see yourself spiritually, and you start to get some victories in, in areas that have, where you've always gotten your butt kicked spiritually, it feels awesome. And you get this, you get this moment of victory. You feel in a way, you, you feel free in a way you've never felt in your entire life. And then you wake up the next day, and guess what? You feel terrible. Yeah. yeah. And let me tell you why. The Bible is very clear that you have an enemy uh -huh. who never sleeps, and he just devotes his entire life to your discouragement, your confusion, your uh, absolute uh, depression. He, he wants you down because he wants you off the playing field. He wants you taken out. Uh, the fact that you are getting some freedom and loving the girl that Jesus made, exactly who you are, and knowing that if I just love myself, and I'm confident about that because Jesus loves me, and he doesn't make mistakes and all that kind of stuff, and you're just digging that, and all of a sudden that confidence and that, that the, you know, the, the relationship that you got with the Lord, it's bubbling out everywhere. Guys are starting to dig you. You're figuring out which ones are the chumps and which ones are the scrubs and which ones you actually like. All this is going great, and then all of a sudden the enemy is saying, I do not like this situation. I do not want somebody trusting Jesus, liking themselves, and, and, and actually getting some victories. And so he turns the heat up. 
Here's the thing about what, what basically what's happening is you are like neck deep in some spiritual warfare and he is just going to keep on attacking you. The thing that you need to know is, first of all, you're doing everything right. I mean, you're doing the thing right. You're listening to the wisdom. You're listening to what's what's the the truth. You're believing it. You're getting a hold of some confidence and some freedom and some, and, and just seeing yourself the right way. The next thing for you to know is this is going to be a dogfight the whole way out. Uh, your spiritual life is going to be a dogfight every day. Every day you're going to wake up and you're going to have to remind yourself of the truth and you're going to have to claw and fight for it. I can tell you, the guys on this podcast, the victories that we have and the steps that we've taken forward, number one, they're by the mercy of Jesus. And number two, they're by clawing our way out of pits. I mean, it is by fighting and clawing. I've got some good news for you. Uh, One piece of good news is that yes... You have an enemy who wants to take you out and discourage you and keep you down and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that is true. But guess what? It is not for long. Okay? He is, uh, he has an expiration date, this dude. And he knows it. He knows it's absolutely true. There's a Bible verse that I want to show you. It's one of my favorite, favorite verses in the whole thing. And if you're anywhere where you can, like, get to a Bible, I want you to check this thing out, okay? So if you've got a Bible, pick it up and look at it. I want you to see the thing with your own eyes. Or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, navigate to it. But it's in the book of Romans, chapter 16, almost the end, almost the very last verse of the book of Romans. Romans 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And I love that. I love that because even though the enemy is going to mess with you every single day, he's going to be in your face again, trying to take your victories away from you, trying to make you feel terrible about who you are, this does not last for long. And in fact, not only does the Lord get rid of our enemy, but he, he lets us make it personal. He lets us get involved in it. I don't know how that's going to shake down, but I know that my size 12s are going to find their, find their place squarely on his face. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, under my feet. That's going to happen. You are doing great. You are experiencing victory. You're experiencing freedom. And you're exactly right. Of course, guys dig you. God made you exactly the way he made you on purpose. He loves you this way. And if he loves you, you can love you. And the more you do that, you're going to find guys love you. And the freer you get, the more the heat is going to be turned up on the spiritual warfare. But when you realize that, and you realize every day I'm going to walk into a fight, then you can start fighting. And before long, the enemy, he might just want to stop messing with you because you're kicking his butt every single day. We just want to encourage you, keep on going. You're doing awesome. Absolutely. Glenn? Well, let's start here. I don't think Megan Fox should be the standard of beauty right. measured. Uh, we all agree. Different conversation. Keep going. Uh, so, yeah. Um, here's the thing is... Uh, I think what you may have learned is that if you put on a cute dress and smile, you say, I see a lot of guys dig me exclamation point. What you should have learned is it doesn't take a lot more than putting on a cute dress and smiling. Guys are attracted fairly easily to women. (laughs) We're not anywhere nearly as picky as you might guess that we are. So what that should have done in your mind is to say, I can, I can check that box and say, 
uh, you know, done. I am good looking enough to attract a guy. So what do I do with them once I get them? That's, yeah, that's yeah. where your brain should be at right now. Here's the thing though, in terms of, excuse me, a self perception in, in terms of I've got a relationship and I want to enter into that relationship. And what's that going to be like? Here's the one thing I want to tell you about all this is to focus on this question. What do I bring to the table? Okay. Do, do I know how to treat a man? If I know how to treat a man, I feel confident. If I don't know how to treat a man, I'm not going to feel confident. Uh, do I know how to be a supportive partner? If you do know how to be a supportive partner, if you know how to work together with people, you know how to be cooperative, then you should feel confident. Why not? You know, that's, that's the thing that's necessary. You bring that to the table. The thing about focusing on our looks is it's always so subjective and it's always a, right. a matter of taste that we can always endlessly worry about it. You've learned, put on a cute dress, give them a smile. That's, you know, that's enough. That's, we got that done. That's, but what, you know, you also should have learned there's nothing to that. Okay. He's attracted to you, but is your personality too funky for him to put up with? Or is your character and your love for the Lord so great and so cool that that's what he's ultimately attracted to, whether the looks are there or not. You see what I'm saying? Right. Here's the reason why I tell you to focus on what it is that you bring to the table is because very few people in my life actually know what it is that I bring to the table. And it took me a long time for me to figure out what it is that I bring to the table. I think there's a lot of how am I perceived? Am I popular? Do people think I'm cool? How many followers do I have on Twitter? all these other external measures that seem to suggest what it is I bring to the table. But I need to know for myself, I need to be able to do an honest self inventory and look at my own life and say, you know what it is? I'm funny. I've got a little bit of brains about this. I know how to be a good friend. I, you know, I cuss too much. I, you know, don't play golf very well, but you know, I can, I can lay out, uh, the pluses and minuses and look at that and say, you know, this is what I bring to the table and it's good. It's valuable. It has worth. It can, it can make a difference. It can, it can create a healthy relationship. If I have somebody who sees what I bring to the table and values what I bring to the table, if someone looks at my physical appearance and is attracted to that, they might miss what it is that I bring to the table. You might be able to have all the looks covered, and guys come up to you and say, you seem really spiritual in that dress, you know, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> girl, you look sanctified in that dress. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that, you know, you might look at that and say, are you seeing the human being that's underneath? Are we, are we sure that you, again, that you see what it is that I bring to the table? If you know what you bring to the table, you'll have confidence. If you meet another guy who sees those things in you, then you can have confidence in that relationship. And in that person, you can say, okay, this is going to be something healthy. Focus on that. Uh, the the physical you've already dealt with that. You are you you can set that aside now. Absolutely, Jed. Yeah, I agree with everything Lee said and everything Glenn said. And something we've talked about on this podcast before that's worth repeating because it really applies here is that one of the devil's goals with you know spiritual warfare stuff is distraction. Um, that's a lot of why he does the things he does. He hates you, certainly, but there's things he doesn't want you to be looking at. Um, he, he is going after you. Understand, you're having a victory. Whenever you have a victory, there's always a backlash. That's absolutely true. And as Glenn's pointing out, um, you know, what there's stuff that you need to be looking at, and he's really, really hoping that you won't look at those things. Um, 
I'd like to add one thing, and what Glenn said is absolutely right. I'd like to add one thing to that list, which is I wonder if part of what was hard for you, and just to, to reiterate, we are so proud of you. I mean, Amen. we are just, uh, we, we are, uh, we got, you know, mad respect for you. We, we believe in you. We're so proud of you. You're doing amazing. Um, I wonder if part of what was hard for you in reaching the point of putting on a cute dress and flashing a smile was the, uh, was some kind of funky idea about sexuality. Um, I just want to put it out there. I'm wondering if that's part of what was holding you up. Because if that's the case, um, uh, then we want to go after that idea. We want to figure out what was that idea to begin with. Because God has great things for you in the future uh, in regards to sexuality. But uh, if we've got some weird attitudes about it, we want to begin dispelling those now. One of the things, I don't know if you grew up in the church, I don't know if you grew up, you know, around Christian stuff, but if you did, uh, one of the things that happens a lot is... um, uh, they all seem to believe that sex is bad and dirty, uh, and strictly for the purposes of procreation, and um, that uh, women, uh, you know, godly women are modest. And by modest, I mean dress in an asexual way that uh, is chiefly composed of very baggy sweatsuits. <laughs> um, you know, uh, at least the Christians I came up around, that's, that's what they were on. Well, the thing you need to know is, is every piece of that's a lie. Uh, right. and, and every piece of that is, is wrong. Um, you, God made sex. Sex is good. Let me say that again. Sex is a good thing. Not because it produces babies, but simply because it is a good thing. In the context of a Christian marriage, it's a good and right and beautiful and wonderful thing. God made you as a sexual being. He could have done it another way. He could have had us produce asexually by spores. He chose not to do that. He chose to make you a sexual being on purpose, and he chose to make you someone who would be desirable to the right other person, and vice versa. The challenge that's before us is owning that that is so. If you go into a marriage thinking that sex is bad and dirty and that you being desirable is mostly bad and dirty because it's linked to sex, that's going to cause a lot of problems for you. So the thing I'd encourage you to do, in addition to, to what Glenn and Lee have already said, is to start looking into your brain and asking, what do I really believe about sex deep down? Do I believe that it's dirty? Do I believe the idea of other people being attracted to me? Do I believe that that's dirty? Do, do I believe that being desirable is dirty? And start journaling that out. Find a, a mentor or a pastor and start talking that stuff out. And do one other thing. Go and read Song of Solomon. It's a whole book of the Bible that's about the love between a husband and wife. Read that book and compare that with the things you've been led to believe. And I think you'll start to find more and more victory in that area. Absolutely great point. All right, if you have a question for us, you can say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. I want you to check out The Bridge Podcast if you get a chance. Leave a nice review, subscribe. It will help us out. Do the same thing for this podcast. And remember, you can always sign up for Bridgebox, $8 a month, lots of cool stuff, and to help fund our ministry going on on the ground right here in Chicago. That's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We're new and notable, and we throw goats at you.